，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Offson 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Another milestone in U.S.-Taiwan relations: the first agreement relating to the landmark U.S.-Taiwan initiative on 21st-century trade was signed on Thursday morning. The signing ceremony took place at the AIT Washington headquarters with Taiwan's de facto ambassador to the U.S. Xiaobi Kim and AIT managing director Ingrid Larson. It's the most comprehensive trade agreement Taiwan has signed with the U.S. since Washington severed diplomatic ties in 1979. Officials say they hope the next step for Taiwan will be to negotiate a free trade pact with the U.S. Taiwan's U.S. representative Xiaobi Kim and the AIT's managing director Ingrid Larson on June 1st signed the first agreement relating to the U.S.-Taiwan initiative on 21st-century trade at the AIT Washington headquarters. The agreement covers five areas relating to trade facilitation, regulatory practices, domestic regulations for the service industry, and anti-corruption measures. It's the most comprehensive trade agreement Taiwan has signed with the U.S. since 1979, reflecting that Taiwan's economic and trade framework is at a high international standard. The signing was witnessed by Taiwanese Minister Without Portfolio John Deng, Deputy U.S. Trade Representative Sarah Bianchi, and AIT Chairperson Laura Rosenberger. There are still seven chapters to follow, but this is still a very important milestone. Taiwan and the U.S. simultaneously set up a trade facilitation committee to communicate and exchange information on a regular basis. The total fees and duties for newly simplified customs declarations and clearances will be eased to 75,000 NT and under. President Tsai Ing-wen says there still needs to be negotiations on a further seven issues, including labour, the environment, and digital trade. They will lay a more stable foundation for future negotiations on a Taiwan-U.S. FTA. The next step is to negotiate and sign a Taiwan-U.S. FTA. This will be extremely important for Taiwan's future economic development and industrial development. DPP lawmakers were happy to see this development, but opposition parties are demanding that the agreement be sent to the Legislative Yuan for a detailed review. When it comes to signing this agreement, has there ever been any effective parliamentary oversight? At the time of the ECFA and Services Agreement, it was only passed in half a minute. And so protests erupted. Later on, of course, we will send it to the legislative yuan, and we will respect the way the legislature reviews it. The economics ministry is stressing that everything has been carried out according to the law, and in future there will be a lot of business with the U.S. to look forward to. A year after U.S. President Joe Biden first launched what's known as the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, or IPEF, negotiations have yielded what Washington is calling a landmark supply chain coordination agreement. Fourteen Pacific Rim countries have signed up so far, but given the current U.S.-China tensions, China is not part of the IPEF. 
Voice of America reports. Created a year ago by the White House, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework was set up to enhance business opportunities for the 14 Pacific Rim countries that have signed up so far. Last week, representatives met in the U.S. and came away with what they are calling a plan to make supply chains in the region more secure. U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo announces a plan that includes forming a crisis response network to give early warnings about supply chain disruptions, along with a council to coordinate supply chain activities. Mark Mealy with the U.S. ASEAN Business Council gave this example of how that would work. Government, let's say, will agree we won't slap a ban on the export of rubber gloves, like in, in, in response to a future health pandemic. We'll agree to make sure that uh, we coordinate if we are going to have some restrictions on how, you know, air travel can occur. China is not part of IPEF, but its top trade representatives took part in the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Talks in Detroit. China's Commerce Minister Wang Wentao met with Commerce Secretary Raimondo, then met U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai on the sidelines of APEC. As the two largest economies in the world, how we relate to each other has implications not only for our economies, our workers, our businesses, our middle classes, but for the entire world. We know that. For business owners like Ben Zhang, whose Seattle company supplies corporations with promotional marketing products, other countries in the region still can't compete with China's manufacturing capabilities. It takes forever to fulfill a project. China is like, a, okay, you get a project, boom, 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 they get done. U.S.-China tensions are forcing businesses like Zhang's to employ a China Plus strategy and find alternatives to sourcing products in China. But COVID restrictions prevented him from traveling overseas to make new connections, and that makes it hard to move to producers that aren't China-based. In terms of reliability, we would basically have to take a, you know, take a gamble. That's part of the reason why decoupling from China is not an option for many businesses. But the hope is that IPEF might make that gamble less risky. Last year, founder of United Microelectronics, Robert Tao, announced plans to donate 600 million NT to Kuma Academy, a civil defense nonprofit that provides training to civilians in Taiwan. At a press conference on Friday, Tao said that Kuma Academy's goal was to boost Taiwan's endurance in a PLA attack as Chinese leader Xi Jinping has said he won't back away from his Taiwan ambitions. Cao also urged Honghai founder Terry Goh, TPP presidential candidate Ko Wenzhe, and the KMT party as a whole to listen closely to Xi's words, which he says leave no room for negotiating cross-strait peace. He also said that people advocating for cross-strait peace without preparing for war were traitors. The main point of having Kuma Academy is to reduce the number of casualties if war breaks out. It teaches people to help each other and boosts the endurance of Taiwanese society. That's one thing the KMT has brought up, saying that their presidential candidate wants endurance. In cross-strait affairs, we have to fully prepare for war and let the CCP see that we are not afraid. That's the only way it won't attack us. Xi Jinping has said that it is wishful thinking to expect China to compromise on the Taiwan issue. Anyone who expects that is shooting themselves in the foot. In Taiwan, there are many people saying that they want to negotiate peace. For example, Terry Goh, Ko Wenzhe and the KMT. Did they not see what she said? 
What are they going to negotiate? I'd like to ask Terry Go, what was that peace declaration you forced upon Lighting De? It's utter nonsense. What peace declaration? People have been very clear that it is not up for discussion. Tao urged Go, Ke, and the KMT to listen to Xi. He added that only by remaining united against external attacks would Taiwan be able to curb Beijing's aggression. The supply of several medicines continues to run low in Taiwan. The products affected include drugs to treat allergies and stomach problems. The shortage is so severe for one nasal spray brand that pharmacists report having to barter for supplies with other pharmacists online. And finding a replacement treatment is equally difficult, as few suitable options exist. And when they do, they are also in short supply. This pharmacy has just opened, but already people are lining up to collect their prescriptions, while staff are rushing to dispense drugs into bags. Taiwan has been seeing a severe shortage of some medical drugs, so much so that some pharmacists have resorted to bartering with other pharmacists. We might post something in our online group. For example, it may say, if any pharmacy has this and such medication with this NHI number and this name, please help us out if you can. If our customers are looking for a specific prescription medicine and we've run out, we might ask them to go pick their prescriptions up at a hospital. With the changing of seasons, many people's allergies are flaring up. The Avamis nasal spray is seeing a severe supply shortage. That's after stocks of another nasal spray, Nasonex, began running low, which increased demand for alternatives. But pharmacists say that the alternatives for Avamis suggested by the FDA don't all contain the same ingredients, dosage or delivery formats. For example, Avamis, the nasal spray, has been running low for some time. There are no other insurance-covered drugs that can replace it. The ones that can replace it are not insurance covered and have to be paid for out of pocket. The pharmacist says that in this case, the only replacement with the same specifications is Otrevin, which is not covered by the national health insurance and has to be paid for in full. The pharmacist says that even if this alternative medication is in stock, there may be other problems. If the health insurance listed price of the replacement medicine is higher than the original prescription price, we can't offer a replacement. And the problems don't end at allergic rhinitis medication. Stomach medicines are also in short supply. For now, pharmacies are relying on each other for support, saying that the current government procedures to deal with shortages do not actually solve any problems. The Supreme Court upheld a guilty ruling Friday against two former presidential guards charged with espionage. One of them is retired military officer Sun Han Fang, who worked in the Secret Service for former presidents Jiang Jingguo and Li Renhui. The other is Sun's nephew Wang Wenyan, who served at the National Securities Bureau Special Service Center. After retiring, Sun had accepted money from a Chinese intelligence officer to recruit people into an espionage ring.
He recruited Wong, who procured classified information and even obtained a secret itinerary for a meeting between President Tsai and foreign guests. Let's hear from a lawmaker. These people who had worked in the secret service had no loyalty to their country. For a monthly stipend of 2,000 or 3,000 US dollars, they sold out their nation. This is a warning sign, and the issue of loyalty within our military is a challenge we must face. After 2019, we toughened the National Security Act and the penalties for treason and so on. But it's a pity that these two traitors who sold out their country committed their crimes before that, so the old laws must be followed. Sun and Wang have been sentenced to two years and eight months in prison and one year and four months in prison, respectively, in accordance with the National Security Act and the Criminal Code of the Armed Forces. Jensen Huang, the Taiwanese-American billionaire CEO of NVIDIA, has produced chips that have been at the heart of major tech trends, from video games to AI. During Taiwan's recent Computex Expo, he was seen networking with many of his Taiwanese clients, including those from Quanta Cloud Technology, Gigabyte and Supermicrocomputer. In the latest, as the expo closed on Friday, he was seen meeting with the top TSM, TSMC executive and Honghai chairman Yang Liu. More you buy, the more you save. NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang, known in Taiwan as the godfather of AI chips, was acting like a showman at Computex as he touted NVIDIA's superchips and AI supercomputers. He also networked non-stop with executives from companies that cooperate with NVIDIA. Among them were TSMC, which makes NVIDIA chips, and Honhai, Quanta Cloud Technology and Gigabyte, which make its servers, and Supermicrocomputer, which is in charge of AI server packaging design and manufacturing. The day before he was scheduled to leave Taiwan, Huang met with Honhai Chairman Yang Liu. NVIDIA and Honhai actually have quite a lot of cooperation going on in the field of AI servers. Even though the meeting between Jensen Huang and Yang Liu was not open to the public, everyone's really curious about how the two sides will continue to deepen their cooperation. During Huang's special address at Computex, he showed a video with footage of an automated production line at a plant operated by Honhai's subsidiary Ingresys. He also said his largest order was placed with TSMC. Trust it completely. The yields are incredible. Uh, the cost is very good. Huang stressed his confidence in TSMC's foundries, saying the two parties have collaborated for more than 20 years. When Huang arrived in Taiwan, he first dined with TSMC founder Morris Chang and his wife. During his stay, he has also frequently interacted with executives at the Quanta Computer Group. Oh, CC, come here, come here, come here. Everybody came. No, no, they came to see you. Huang showed his support for his friend of more than 20 years, Quanta Computer Vice Chairman CC Leong. He even popped into the booth for Quanta Cloud Technology, a Quanta subsidiary, and let its general manager try on his signature leather jacket. Later, he appeared in the Gigabyte display and left his signature on a server equipped with his own superchip. 
Huang's trip to Taiwan was jam-packed with events that both created buzz for NVIDIA and exposed the players in Taiwan's AI industry chain. With all the rapid changes in the world, where do business opportunities lie for Taiwan's industry? The Industrial Technology Research Institute is celebrating 50 years of supporting local companies to develop in this ever-changing landscape. ITRI recently conducted its first survey on the expectations that the people of Taiwan have for their country in the year 2035. The two top concerns turn out to be disaster prevention and health. The institute says the two issues have been incorporated into its strategic blueprint to build a more resilient society by 2050. For 50 years now, E-Tree has been keeping watch over the future of Taiwan's industrial sector. This is not just done by monitoring global trends. The institute has now released a survey on people's expectations for Taiwan in the year 2035. In this survey of expectations for 2035, we found that what the people of Taiwan value and care about the most is disaster prevention and health. Both of these topics have been incorporated into ITRI's strategic blueprint for 2035. ITRI assists enterprises in understanding demand from the general public and offers technological support for innovators. One example is disaster prevention. ITRI was involved in the creation of a soil monitoring system that can warn of a landslide. It generates electricity from the soil itself to keep the system running. Meanwhile, in the medical and health sector, it has developed a supramolecular composite technology that replaces intraocular injections with eye drops that prevent macular degeneration. Right now, this chat GPT, we can see different trends in smart living. There's also the matter of ageing, health and lifestyle, and sustainability. These are all key points as we approach the year 2050. To meet the industrial challenges of future generations, Etri supports companies to innovate and assists with value creation. Its work raises the public's quality of life, increases the resilience of society, and springboards Taiwan's technological prowess to the world for everyone to see. In order to empower cancer patients and their families, Taiwan's Hope Foundation for Cancer Care and a pharmaceutical company annually hold a photography competition. The striking images you're about to see have been captured by cancer patients, their families and medical professionals. Our reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to some of the winning photographers about their works. 36-year-old breast cancer patient Chen Yixian photographed the plants in her garden. She says gardening greatly helped her overcome daily challenges that come with being a cancer patient. Chen was diagnosed with cancer in May. Then, in September, she began growing her own plants. I moved from Hualien to Taipei at that time to live in the city for treatment. I think plants were very important to me because they were a light in my life when I was in a dark place. This process gave me a lot of hope for tomorrow. Life really needs some interesting hobbies in order for people to move forward in a dark period. When I heard about the Hope Foundation for Cancer Care, I took their Japanese and ukulele courses. I think that it's because of cancer that the amount of spare time I have allows me to try things that I didn't normally try when I was too busy. 
Another contestant, Chen Junjiao, captured an image of his mother in her hospital room. He also created a podcast to document his last memories with his mom. The idea of this work is mainly to let everyone see the beauty of the body. To see the beauty, you must experience some setbacks or some physical diseases. When my mother was alive, she was very frustrated with this matter because she underwent such drastic changes in her body. I thought her body was still very beautiful. Through submitting this work, I want to tell everyone that not only one kind of body type is beautiful. I hope everyone can accept themselves in different states. A nurse, Lai Shuting, helped organize a wedding for a patient's daughter and captured a picture of the ceremony in the hospital room. This father had a daughter that was about to get married. The father was not in good condition. So I wanted to ask if there was a chance for him to participate. Our team came up with the idea of inviting the daughter and future son-in-law to go directly to the hospital. It was a very unique moment, so I instantly photographed it. In order to empower cancer patients and their families, the Hope Foundation for Cancer Care and a pharmaceutical company have held a photography competition since 2008. Images show simple moments in life, such as holding hands and eating with loved ones, or the final moments of patients with their families. The competition is divided into three categories, cancer patients, cancer patients' family, and medical professionals. This year, a total of 253 contestants submitted works, with 25 of them winning awards. Moment of Hope has been held for the ninth time, and more than 1,200 works have been submitted. We hope that through Moment of Hope, whether it is a patient, family member, or medical team facing cancer, despite their negative emotions, there may be a chance for them to express themselves during this process, whether it's negative emotions or positive courage. Through this means of expressing themselves, their attitude toward cancer can become more positive. Through the competition, organizers hope to encourage patients, family members, and medical teams to fight the disease fearlessly and so that they never lose hope and love. The 25 award-winning photos will be exhibited at nine hospitals and MRT stations in June. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Qi in Taipei.